You're listening to the Outdoor Photography Podcast, episode 32. In today's Tidbit Tuesday, we're going to chat about what camera sensor size you really need, pixels versus photo sites, image quality, and printing. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Brenda Petrella, the creator of Outdoor Photography School. Join me as I sit down with top landscape and nature photographers and outdoor industry experts to chat about creativity, composition, photography tips and techniques, essential gear, safety in the outdoors, respect for nature, and so much more. Tune in every week to learn how to create compelling and impactful images while exploring and enjoying the natural world. Welcome to the Outdoor Photography Podcast. Hey everyone, Brenda Petrella here, here to help you create better images and reconnect with nature. Today's tidbit topic was inspired by questions from two of our listeners. But before we dive in, I just wanted to let you know some exciting news, and that is that the podcast now has its own website, which you can find at outdoorphotographypodcast.com. There you will find all of the detailed show notes and profiles on our guests. You can play the episodes, easily follow the podcast on your favorite player, submit a question for Tidbit Tuesdays, and you can even leave a review. And some of you have mentioned that you don't use Apple Podcasts to listen to the show and would like to be able to leave a review. And now you can do that directly on the new website, which again is at outdoorphotographypodcast.com. So I hope you check it out. As you know, I enjoy hearing from you. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, just go to outdoorphotographypodcast.com and click the button to record your question. We have two listener questions this week, and our first one comes from Stanley. Uh, hi, Brenda. Let me just uh, compliment you on your lovely show. A uh, quick question. Uh, should I buy an APS? C camera or a full frame? Which is the better for image quality? Thank you. And have a nice day, Stanley. Thank you, Stanley, for this question. And I'm so glad that you're enjoying the show. The debate over sensor size and image quality is one that many of us face when deciding to buy a camera. But if we think of the camera as a tool, then you'll want to pick the right tool for the job for the images you want to create and how you want to use those images. A bigger sensor may or may not be needed to create high quality images that fulfill your needs as a photographer. And there are some downsides to bigger sensors that can outweigh the benefits in some cases. So the function of the camera sensor is to collect and record light. Generally speaking, the more light a sensor can collect and record, the better the resulting image will be in terms of dynamic range, signal-to-noise ratio, and to some extent, sharpness. Therefore, larger sensors will generally produce better quality images when compared to smaller sensors, simply because they can collect and record more light. The three most commonly used sensor sizes in outdoor photography are full-frame, crop or APS-C, and micro-four-thirds. A full-frame sensor got its name because at 24 by 36 millimeters in size, it has the same dimensions as a single full-frame of 35 millimeter film. The area of a cropped or APS-C sensor is 1.5 to 1.6 times smaller than a full-frame sensor, depending on the manufacturer. 
And like full-frame sensors, the dimensions of crop sensors maintain that 3 by 2 aspect ratio. And lastly, a micro four-thirds sensor is half the size in area than a full-frame sensor, and it has a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, hence its name. So given these size differences and the corresponding price tag differences as well, it's natural to think that a full-frame camera is what you need to create better images. But I know plenty of professional photographers who use crop sensor and micro four-thirds cameras because they are the right tool for the job. And that is because image quality depends on a number of factors, not just sensor size. Available light, lens choice, the file format used like RAW versus JPEG, the number and size of pixels or photo sites a sensor has, which we'll talk about more in a moment. And of course, the skill and preferences of the photographer all contribute to the overall image quality as well. So let's talk about photo sites for a moment. The amount of light that a sensor can collect and record depends on two things, the number of and the size of photo sites that make up the sensor. Photo sites are essentially light-sensitive buckets that collect and record photons of light that hit the sensor during an exposure and they are measured in microns or millionths of a meter, and the sensor may have millions of these photocytes. Oftentimes, photocytes are referred to as pixels or megapixels, which is a million pixels, but this is a little misleading since a photocyte is a physical part of the sensor, whereas a pixel is the digital information that results from the photocyte technology. A digital pixel doesn't have a specified size until it is turned into a physical print. That says there is often a one-to-one -one correlation between the number of photocytes and the number of resulting pixels, and that is why they are often used interchangeably. Simply given their size, large sensors can fit more photocytes than smaller sensors, but when it comes to collecting and recording light, we also have to consider the size of each photocyte. The larger a photosite is, the more light that photosite will be able to collect and record. So, for example, the two cameras I currently use are the Nikon Z7 and Z6 II. Both have full-frame sensors. However, the Z7 has a 45-megapixel sensor, whereas the Z6 II has a 24-megapixel sensor. So which one do you think is better at collecting and recording light? Well, although the Z6 II has fewer photocytes than the Z7, the photocytes on the Z6 II sensor are larger, and the result of that is that the Z6 II performs better in low-light situations. The more megapixels of the Z7 provides better resolution and detail than the Z6 II, but not necessarily better image quality in low-light in terms of dynamic range, color accuracy, and reduced noise. Now, if you want to compare the sensors, megapixels, and photosite sizes of different cameras, I'll put a link in the show notes to a website called Digital Camera Database, which you can find at digicamdb.com, and it allows you to easily compare this information from two different cameras. So now let's briefly talk about the pros and cons of using a full frame versus a smaller sized camera sensor. Some key advantages of using a full-frame camera over a crop or micro four-thirds camera include one, better low-light performance and better dynamic range, 
And if you want to learn more about Dynamic Range, be sure to listen to episode 24 of the podcast where I go into more detail about it. Two, you get a wider field of view at a given focal length than you would with smaller sensors. Three, there is a shallower depth of field with full frame cameras. And so if that's important to your type of photography, that may be an advantage. And lastly, larger sensors tend to have more resolution, which allows you to print very large images without resampling. So for example, a 45 megapixel full frame camera can easily create a high quality print at 24 by 36 inches and even bigger with resampling. So all that sounds great. So what are some of the downsides of using a full frame camera? Well, first of all, full frame DSLRs are heavier and more expensive than crop sensor or micro four thirds cameras. Although now that bulk and weight issue is becoming less of a disadvantage these days with the new full frame mirrorless systems. But if you do a lot of hiking and traveling with your camera gear, then you may find that the advantages of full frame cameras do not outweigh the bulk and weight of lugging around a full frame kit. And lastly, the image files are huge, which requires bigger memory cards, more computing power to process the images, more on-site and off-site storage, and so forth. And so costs can quickly add up over the long run. So be sure you're taking that into consideration when you're budgeting for a full-frame camera as well. So what are some of the advantages of using a crop sensor or micro four-thirds camera? Well, first of all, because the camera sensors are smaller, they basically are cropping out the edges of the full-frame camera, leaving you with the center part of the frame. And so it basically gives you the appearance of being more zoomed in because your subject is filling the frame more. And this is great for wildlife, sports, or intimate nature scenes where you're usually photographing at focal lengths of greater than, say, 200 millimeters. The smaller file sizes also allow these cameras to have faster frame rates, which again can be great for wildlife and sports. You also have a deeper depth of field, which can be great for landscapes. And these cameras are lighter and much more affordable, which also makes computing and storage needs also more affordable. And it turns out these cameras still print really well. For example, a 24 megapixel crop sensor camera can easily create a high quality print at 16 by 24 inches without resampling. And for images that are being printed smaller or shared digitally, these sensors are more than sufficient to meet most photographers' needs. And don't forget, you can always rent camera bodies to try them out when you're in the market for a new one or if you have an assignment where you need the capability of a full frame camera and don't want to pay the expense of owning one. And I use borrow lenses for my rentals and I'll put a link in the show notes to them if you want to check them out. Our second listener question this week is from Rick. Hi, Brenda. I took your Compose Clarity class, and now that I'm looking at my images on NX Studio, I have a, a Nikon D5500 camera. Would expect to print the, like 8 half by 11 size prints. So, how much do I zoom in to understand if my images are acceptably sharp to get good? Prints and struggling with this. I zoom in 100 or 200 percent. I see a lot of noise, but I don't know if that's just normal or where do you stop zooming to determine if you have an acceptably sharp image? Thank you. 
Thank you, Rick, for this question and for attending the Compose with Clarity workshop. It's easy to be tempted to zoom way into 200% or more to try to determine whether or not our images are sharp enough for printing. But in reality, we really only need to view our images at 100%. At 100% or one-to-one, one digital pixel of the image is represented by one pixel on the monitor. This will give you the most accurate view of what is acceptably sharp in your image. Now, the only reason to zoom in beyond 100% would be to check for artifacts in your editing process, such as when you're blending image files or using masks or cloning, but we wouldn't see this level of pixel detail in a printed image. The other important factor to consider when determining whether or not your photo is acceptably sharp for printing is the viewing distance. The ability of our eyes to resolve details in an image decreases not only with age, but also with distance. So the farther away a print is viewed, the less resolution it needs to appear acceptably sharp to our eyes. For example, the resolution of an 8x10 print held at arm's length would need to be higher than a billboard seen from 500 feet away. And lastly, testing a few prints is never a bad idea to see what you would consider acceptably sharp in a print. And also different print mediums provide varying levels of forgiveness, if you will, in the apparent sharpness of an image. For example, lower resolution or somewhat soft images tend to print fine on canvas, whereas any variation in sharpness would be much more detectable on metal or high definition acrylic prints. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to this Tidbit Tuesday. As always, I appreciate you being here and I hope you got a lot of value from our listener questions in today's episode. You can find all the links mentioned today in the show notes on the new website at outdoorphotographypodcast.com forward slash 32. Next week on the podcast, we'll have Virginia-based fine art landscape photographer Michelle Sons on to chat about her recent transition to freelance photography, ways to creatively connect with the landscape, how she creates dreamy and ethereal moods in her images, converting her Honda element into a camper van of sorts, and a whole lot more. So be sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss out on this or any of our upcoming conversations. And until then, get outside, my friends, and find yourself a little nature. Take care.